Thank you for tuning in to the Bully Pew podcast brought to you by the troublemakers at protestia.com and all of our intrepid patron supporters who for only $5.95 a month bring this and other Protestia programs and content to you on a regular basis. You are riding with me across the metropolitan Denver area, the Denver metro area as we kind of call it, um, on a nice sunny summer day. And we're going to be talking about the concept of justice. I was working through a, a book uh, on worship pastoring and basically talking about all of the, you know, a deeper dive into all of the components of what make a worship pastor or worship leader or things to be, to be focused on. And one of the, the sections was basically talking about worship pastor as um, in terms of uh, promoting justice, that justice should be promoted. And my discernment spidey sense started tingling um, when the author started describing justice in terms of in terms of uh, poor people and making sure that we take care of the poor and that that is the just thing to do and it it is the just thing to do in a sense but we have to be very very careful when we um, especially in areas of material charity and things that we accurately talk about justice, that we talk about it in its biblical context, its biblical um, understanding, and we don't allow, much like so many other words in, in evangelical Christianity have become hijacked and repurposed for pragmatism or marketing or really for manipulation and, and changing what people think and believe about things um, secretly. Uh, we must not allow the word justice to be similarly hijacked. So what is what is it to be? What is justice? Well, justice is the the concept of being just, for, to being right, to be righteous, to be um, in accordance with what is good and and true. And of course, as Christians, justice is determined by the moral standard of God, by by the Scriptures, by what what is God's concept of right and wrong. And we are instructed to and uh, required to apply God's justice and promote God's justice in every area of life that we have influence in. And, and this, you know, charity, for instance, and taking care of the poor, which you see, you see the poor um, talked about many times in Scripture. Obviously, as, as believers, this is something that we are instructed to do. Um, but in modern conversation, it often gets mixed up. So we're gonna we're going we're going to not just talk about the poor people that need um, that are that are um, short on material. Uh, you know, they have material needs. They're they're hungry, or they need clothing, or they need shelter, or these kinds of things. And 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 real, realistically, when you get straight down to it, in terms of your material, physical needs, that's kind of the extent of it. There's not a lot beyond being fed and being clothed and being sheltered. It's those three things. Everything else is, and yes, we, we obviously, we don't live by bread alone, we, um, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, and we know this to be true. And so it's not, the, those things are not the totality of what people need um, in terms of their whole person, in terms of their, their spirituality, in terms of their, um, 
um, even their 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 mental health and things like that. But it is it is the the be all and all of what they generally need physically. You need clothing, you need food, and you need shelter. And so why why as Christians do we provide those things? Uh, well, we we provide them. A, I mean, we're told to, but it's for a greater purpose. We provide those things, and we and we um, we act charitably with the understanding always that that's not the person that person's biggest need. Um, their biggest need is for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their their eternal need outweighs their temporal need always, and so we conduct charity. And we do food drives, and we do outreaches, and we do clothing drives, and canned food, and I mean all the kinds of things that we do to open up the opportunity to present them the gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell them, hey, you know, hey, this, yeah, this can of food might feed you for a little bit, um, but your real need is eternal, and the bread of life is what you actually need um, much more than any of the rest of this. That's what we do charity for. Um, and unfortunately, in modern Christian conversations, the concept of charity and justice is mixed up. It's mixed up with uh, social justice and with the idea that um, Christians might do, might offer material help for its own sake. And we might offer material help on the basis of um, somebody's status in a quote-unquote marginalized group versus status because they're another human being in need um, and they're they're in our area of influence and that uh, you know uh, these terms get thrown around right they get thrown around willy-nilly they don't have necessarily strong definitions and and frankly we you know we, the Bible gets reused and repurposed um, and pulled out of context to push um, ideas that it never supported Um charity is is a an act of love specifically because it's something that we choose to do that we offer out of obedience to God um, not not because it's compelled um, it's not it's not a show of love for God or the other person if someone if we say well we're just going to get the government to take it from you and then give it to others on your behalf um, one of the ways I like to say this and really point this out is is I I ask, okay, when you are um, engaging in charity, when something is being redistributed to somebody, you know, g- taken from one person or or given from that person and given to another who didn't earn it, um, it doesn't belong to them. Where does the glory go? Because when we when we um, uh, engage in true Christian charity, this is for the purpose of glorifying God. This is let me let me give you this out of the goodness of my heart, but it's not really my heart. It's, it's, it's God's heart. I'm giving you this to out of obedience to God because he loves you, you know, and he wants to, and, 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 and his desire is for all to come to him. Um, the glory goes to God when we engage in true Christian charity. But if we do it with the government or some other institution, the glory goes to that institution. I mean, so people don't receive government handouts and then say, oh, thank God for this handout. They, they often say, oh, here's a government handout. Thank you, government. I'm now much more loyal to you. Um, and, and my allegiance to you has been increased. The glory, the glory goes to man, not God. And so to, to bring it back to, to talking about justice, to doing things that are just, um, 
God, well, well, let's put it this way. God determines justice. Justice is, um, justice itself, the concept of justice is subordinate to the person and, um, and works and power and will sovereignty of God. And so anything that God chooses to do, anything he advances is by definition just. It is by definition justice. God is not, God is not, um, underneath that definition. He's not restricted by it. It doesn't define, he, he is not required to submit his will to, um, any other concept of justice because he, he's the creator of justice. He's the originator of it. And the reason that this is an important, an, an important thing to understand is because, uh, the two, two seemingly paradoxical things, major things have happened in, um, in the history of civilization, uh, that both, they, they both seem to oppose one another and yet are just. So, so the, the, the greatest example of this, of course, is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Because we know, um, judicially speaking, to put a man to death who has done nothing uh, to deserve that is unjust. That is an injustice. And yet, at the same time, the Bible describes uh, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, um, Jesus paying the price for us as um, accomplishing the justice of God. So, God made the decision, the sovereign decision, to bring about the salvation, the election, the salvation, the setting apart of his people. Uh, he made that decision um, unilaterally and, and sovereignly. He made that decision, and therefore it is a just decision to make. The Bible says it pleased him, um, it pleased the Father um, to, to strike down the son. I don't remember the exact verbiage, but you know what I'm talking about. It pleased the father. Well, does that, I mean, was God taking pleasure in injustice? No, his sovereign decision to save, um, his sovereign decision to send Jesus Christ, Jesus's perfect obedience to the father, um, and then submission to the cross was a just thing to do. And, um, in, and, and at the same time, there was injustice occurring by like our sin that re has required this our rebellion against god is unjust it is it's not righteous it's 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 um it's sinful and it required the blood of jesus christ in order to to um to basically make up for what we had done and in the in the context of um what i'm reading with this worship book talking about worship as a promotion of justice, um, the primary focus of that worship, and I think, I mean, honestly, the author sort of brought it back. I was a little concerned at first, um, as it seemed to be going into this very wishy-washy, um, you know, feed the, feed the poor, you know, feed the hungry, clothe the, the poor for its own sake kind of version of justice, which, by the way, is giving somebody something that they, that they don't deserve is the definition of injustice. Justice should be um, getting what you deserve and not getting what you don't deserve. And yet when, when we give, when we give people, um, when we give somebody charitably something that they don't deserve out of love, we say, you know, out of my love for you and, and first and foremost, my love for God, I'm going to give you this, this, 
this these clothes and this food and um, you know shelter you and and practice hospitality um, and give you things that are not yours um, on it on the surface that would be an injustice an injustice to deprive somebody of something that is rightly theirs and give it to somebody who it rightly does not belong to um, and yet we are mimicking where we are um, we are alluding to we are practicing um, a similar dynamic um, to the, the the free gift of salvation offered by the um, originally of course the injustice of the the crucifixion of Jesus Christ but it is just because um, God has declared it so it is it is his is his mode is his method if you want to say it that way of um, reconciliation and of saving his people um, we're doing we're, we're trying to imitate that dynamic by giving charitably um, to those who don't deserve it in the same way that God gave us what we did not deserve which was salvation um, we rightly deserve death rightly deserved um, eternal punishment in hell and that's the that's the paradox and that's the point where we get to the point where our human brains can't really comprehend it and understand it is because all of that happens under God's sovereignty which we are not privy to he doesn't have to explain it to us why he's chosen to save some and not others um, it is just because God did it it is justice because it is what God has sovereignly chosen to do and again his actions and his choices um, to save some and not others is just um, because it is it's God's choice and he doesn't we, we don't subject what God is doing or his sovereign will to our to to our understanding of justice or our ability to comprehend the why um, it is you know it is unconditional our salvation and it's it's not based off of any any amount of merit on our part like we don't we don't deserve it we don't deserve to be saved and yet god in his love and in his sovereignty has decided to save us in the same way um the the poor person uh who receives charity who we offer charity to um doesn't doesn't deserve that necessarily they don't, you know, I mean, we might say, hey, human, humans have a right to life. And so we're not going to let this person die because they have a right to their life. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't put the onus on somebody else to, prov- to provide for them material care um, to take from either themselves or somebody else and give it to them. They, you, you don't have a right to, other, to, to, to people's stuff. You have to, you know, earn it. That's the, the way of the world. Um, but we give it to them freely as an example and as um, a shadow, I suppose, of the greater gift, of the, the perfect gift of salvation um, that, is, that comes through faith and, and hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And, and, and the reason that we do it is so that we can, as Christians, is so that we can have that opportunity to, um, to present this person with their real need their deeper need, their eternal need, um, and their inability to ever, you know, as opposed to material stuff where it's like, Hey, you know, go get a job and you work hard enough. And, you know, one of these days you'll be able to take care of yourself basically. Um, as opposed to that, we're saying this, you have no ability to take care of yourself here. And neither did I, by the way, I'm still the, I'm, I'm, I I was in the same exact boat that you were. 
um, a wretched sinner, um, entirely undeserving of salvation and entirely um, unable to provide it for myself. And yet, um, I now know the one who um, has made payment on my behalf, and you can know him too. You know, place your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins. Um, that the salvation is available as a, as a free gift. That's what we're doing. But to, to circle back to justice again, this is, we, we have to always, with any term, always have to return to Scripture. Always return to Scripture to define it because there will be people, and this is, I, I would argue, the primary method of um, inserting false doctrine into churches and into Christian uh, circles and into, into Christian minds and hearts. It's by, it's not by overtly teaching something that is, you know, on its, on the surface false. It's by moving the definitional goalposts. It's by changing the definition of words. And if you do that, you're going to find all sorts of scriptural support for your false doctrine. You know, when, when you take the term and the concept of justice and you say, it's now not what we can rightly uh, figure out from scripture. It's supposed to be, it's something else. It's now the Marxist version of justice. It's now justice not based off of um, an, the objective right and wrong of God's word and on, you know, within the scope of the individual where that, that justice is, is actually, um, you know, the ju- justice pivoting on the level of indiv- in individual, but we're going to say that it pivots at the level of the collective. In other words, something will be right and wrong, moral, immoral, uh, ethical, unethical, not based off of the individual person that this applies to, but based off of their their status in some sort of group. So justice will be justice will be worked out um, on the basis of an individual's uh, special interest group, whether it's their their race or their gender or even their economic status. And and really, when we talk about the Bible saying to to care for the poor, instructing us to care for the poor. Um, that becomes uh, a, like a danger zone for seeing these goalposts move. Because at the same time that we're instructed to take care of the poor, right? Jesus in the Beatitudes said, blessed are the poor in spirit. When you know, Jesus said he came to take care of the poor, um, um, he was speaking to us all. We're all poor. Um, all poor in spirit. All, all um, um, completely uh, uh, without any sort of um, spiritual merit whatsoever. We all need a handout. We all need that. We all need it charitably for God to say, I, I'm going to give you something you don't totally don't deserve. In fact, it's the opposite of what you deserve. You deserve um, judgment and hellfire, and yet I'm going to give you love and salvation and eternal life. Um, instead, that, I mean, what greater example is there of, of a charitable handout, you know, so to speak, than anything else? Um, and yet, when Scripture talks about uh, taking care of the poor, too often we just see it in a material sense. Well, it's just, you know, it's just talking about people that don't have stuff. And so in order to be obedient to God, we just give people stuff. And, and hey, what, what better way to make sure that, that all the poor people get stuff than to utilize the, the power of the government you know, then we don't even have to think about it. They just sort of take it out of our pockets when we're not paying attention. And, you know, hopefully if they do it right, we won't even feel it. And then I'm totally off the hook for actually having to be charitable myself, actually having to accompany my material charity with a gospel message, you know, because after all, I mean, the Bible doesn't, doesn't, you know, it just says take care of poor people. And I, and I leave it at that. 
that's that's the danger zone because the the, the biblical context for caring for the poor is always in the context of gospel ministry, always in the context of caring for them for the purpose um, of bringing glory to God. It is a you know if if we are doing material charity that is not gospel oriented, then all, all we're doing is giving people stuff. And I, and I suppose I mean you're you know as a free Christian you're you're free to just give stuff to somebody if you want to. Um, but why would you? I mean, why would you give them something that, you know, will clothe or feed or, or shelter them for a time being and let them remain dead in their trespasses and sins without hearing the gospel? Give them something to present the opportunity to, to, to open that door um, to share Christ. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And, um, and, and instead, the danger is... Uh, you move the definition of justice and now all of a sudden if, if justice equals the social gospel or justice equals um, social justice or uh, you know uh, morality or righteousness being pivoting on a collective you know basically Marxist concepts of justice if you if you redefine the term to mean that then all of the Bible verses that are now talking about doing right and doing justice and 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 offering charity and these kinds of things, well, now on the surface they all seem to support Marxism, don't they? And that's the technique. You move the you move the de- the underlying definitions, and now you can proof you know you can proof text your way um, all day long to saying that the Bible supports all sorts of things it doesn't support. So we I mean we have to be and and this really applies to I mean so many different terms. It's not just the term justice, although that's a good example. So many terms, so many things that, uh, so many concepts, so many, you know, things that we, we sort of took the definitions for granted, the postmodernists and those that, that, that are not only opposed to God's truth at face value, but also even opposed to God's, um, um, ordained, if you want to call it this ordained method of receiving truth of understanding and transmitting truth. Um, they oppose both of those things. Those people are all too happy to move the definitions of anything that they can in order to um, you know, shift the sands underneath us, so to speak. Um, remember that they, it's not only that they, uh, that false teachers, especially false Christians, those that are promoting a false view of Christ, a false gospel, um, a false understanding of scripture, you know, the word of God, it's not just that they oppose the doctrines at, at face value, it's also that they, they oppose and they're more than willing to undermine on a regular basis um, epistemology itself, the study of you know, how we understand truth, how we um, know that something is true, how we communicate um, objective meaning back and forth to one another. That's all fair game for them. And, that's, and so and this, this is what makes practicing our discernment so important. Because it's false teaching will not just come out and say, by the way, I, I, I believe this false thing about Jesus. I don't think he's the actual son of God, or I, I think it was he was created by God, or this and that, or whatever. You know, or in, in, in this case, it's, um, you know, if, if you apply this example to justice, they don't just come right out on, on the surface and say, um, I think that it's okay to just take stuff from one group of people and give it to another by, by means of force. That's glorifying to God to... to steal stuff from one group and give it to another. Um, they don't just come right out and say that. Instead, they redefine justice to, to, to say, um, the Bible says take care of the poor, 
um, justice is now people getting um, you know equal outcome. That's justice. And so, in pursuit of justice, which is equal outcome, we can take. We we must. We are compelled now to take from the haves and give to the have-nots. Um, because that's what justice requires. And, oh, here's a bunch of Bible verses saying that we're supposed to be just. And we're supposed to practice justice. And, and voila, the bait and switch is done. Now you have the Bible supporting um, taking from one group by force and giving to another. Which, of course, the Bible never supports. In fact, thou shalt not steal is in the Ten Commandments. Steal, to, thou shalt not steal implies that you have the right to own something that cannot be um, lawfully taken from you. Um, or I should say unlawfully taken from you. Um, something that you have that um, you're allowed to do with as you please and it is not allowed to be taken from you against your will. That's that's stealing, right? So you, thou shalt not steal implies the right to private property. We've, we've talked about this before. Um, but if you make redistribution equal outcome, a moral imperative by redefining justice to mean equal outcome, then now all of a sudden you have a Bible that supports Marxism. You have a Bible that supports income redistribution. This is how this always works. And we have to watch out for this with a, a, a good part of what we do in discernment is not as, I, I don't remember if it was Spurgeon, but you know, some, 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 uh, you know, uh, talented reformed, uh, you know, preacher, basically said you know, that discernment is not about figuring out the difference between right and wrong. It's figuring out the difference between right and almost right. And I would go one step further to say the almost right is very often masquerading for being entirely wrong. Remember that the, these are the, the wolf in sheep's clothing analogy holds. It's not a wolf in wolf's clothing. It's a wolf that looks like a sheep. And so we have to do some work sometimes and peel back the layers and dig in so we can say, oh, that, that's actually not a sheep. That's a wolf. That's the process of discernment. And that's what makes it um, kind of a, a, a constant struggle and a constant battle. It's difficult. We would like to say that there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel where we've discerned all of this and everybody just knows. But that's just not how it works. That's not how it works. People... Um, not only lost people, of course, but even Christians can be um, confused and misunderstood. And, and of course, there's a lot of folks out there that say they're Christians who aren't. Um, and the work of discernment has often been used to uh, help that person understand, oh, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not believing the truth here. Oh, the, the, the Bible actually says this. It actually means this. Oh, there's the real Jesus, not the one I've been worshiping. It's a profoundly evangelical exercise. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you for riding with me through Denver, listening to the Bully Pew podcast. Um, for Protestia.com, all the rest of the, the team here, thank you for uh, your support, especially to uh, patrons. Uh, if you haven't seen in Patreon, there is a pretty long form, but I think pretty interesting conversation between myself and one of our uh, intrepid patron supporters about perseverance through uh, persecution in the modern military. I would highly recommend you check it out uh, if you have the time. Let us know if you have any questions about anything. Have a good rest of your week. Go to church on Sunday and worship with the gathered saints um, in obedience to uh, the Lord. Um, if you're in the Denver metro area, perhaps I'll see you there. Um, but if not, we'll all be worshiping together, worshiping together this Sunday. Have a good rest of the day. Talk to you again next time.